0: Welcome to another episode of Joy in Your Circus. I'm your host, Sabrina Irvin, and this week definitely brought challenges my way. I honestly lost track of how many things my kids wrecked. I lost track of how many fights they had. I made four meals that they wouldn't eat. Someone peed the bed nearly every night. And my son announced that he hates his life at least four times. My daughter Lennox and I fought twice about why underwear are mandatory in our family and... I forgot the reading homework twice. So I'd say it's going well. Overall, I think I'm just crushing life. Maybe not exactly, but you guys, I'm continuing to show up every single day for my kids. And I continue to celebrate the simple wins. And I hope that no matter how ridiculous your chaos is, the things that you're going through, that you're able to still celebrate the wins, even if they're small victories, I have a very special guest on today's episode, a local Saskatchewan entrepreneur who also happens to be an amazing mom to two young kids. Haley has such an incredible story and we covered so much ground in our conversation that I decided I needed to break it up into two separate episodes. Here is part one of my conversation with Haley. So today I'd like to welcome Haley to Join Your Circus podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me today, Sabrina. So I want to jump right in and chat a little bit about you and your circus to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better. So let's just maybe, let's use three to five words or phrases maybe that you can use to describe yourself.
1: The way that I would describe myself is somebody who is passionate about a wide variety of things. But the primary focus and core value is helping others while maintaining good boundaries, or at least that's my goal.
0: (laughs) That is fantastic. I like how you said that. So let's chat a little bit about your circus. Mm -hmm. So maybe talk about when you became a mom, your kids, the dynamic in your house between the kids. Oh my goodness. Uh,
1: when I became a mom, let's start, let's start there. So I ended up having my daughter M in 2014 in April and she was and still is a firecracker comes by it. Honestly, I'm sure as you can tell, (laughs) uh, (laughs) Then I decided to open a a business in November of that year. So Emily was nine months old when I got started seeing clients out of the clinic. And we haven't looked back since. So after a couple years of running the clinic, then Drayton came along in 2017. And him and Emily couldn't be more different as far as personalities are concerned. Emily was my cat napper that didn't want to miss a thing and drayton was my long long sleeper (laughs) where i felt like i was kind of trapped in the house a little bit with his nap schedule and he didn't sleep so well i wasn't about to wake him up so
0: Yeah. See, that's the thing, you know, sometimes, and I think when you have your second, you're a little bit more the whole and and the napping and people are like, oh, you need to wake the baby. And when you have your second, you're a little bit more, (laughs) you're a little more flexible in the sleep department.
1: Yeah. Well, and he just like, he, he was a baby that you could read his sleep cues really well. Whereas Emily, I, I couldn't, she just didn't have good sleep cues.
0: It's just totally opposite, Mm -hmm. hey? Yeah. So maybe share um, something, some unique things about each of the kids. So you kind of opened up a little bit there about them. So maybe there's some other things that are a little bit unique to each of them.
1: I guess in general, the way that we kind of describe the two kids is Emily is our, she would be the, you know, really severe spring thunderstorm where there's like a roaring fire in the field. (laughs) And Drayton's our calm spring morning with the sun shining in the dew.
0: (laughs) This is a very descriptive way to describe your kids. I'm loving it. (laughs) uh,
1: Yeah, no, like we've always, they've always just kind of been so contrastingly different, which was really, really interesting to me. Of course, like Drayton's still busy and everything, but just the way that the personalities are is just so... So unique and fascinating, I guess.
0: Well, and I, I think it changes too. Like as they, you know, I'm sure that you see changes in them from month to month and little corks that are coming out as they grow older. I know I'm kind of seeing that in my kids every single day. It seems I learn something new about my kids. It's kind of crazy. Yes.
1: Well, and I think like every stage, there's something that you like, and there's something that you don't like, or maybe multiple some things that you like, you don't like. <laughs> um and there's always things that you miss and really don't miss from before yeah and I do find exactly like what you're saying right there's new things that you learn about your kids every day and I find one of the the most fun things is really getting to know their personality and uh my kids I mean I'm a little bit biased but they are really funny (laughs)
0: I remember, funny, I remember you telling me about your daughter and a really strange birthday party request, and I could not get over it. Kate, you have to share what it was.
1: Uh, Yeah, so Emily decided that the year that she turned five, she would like to have a Shrek butt birthday (laughs) cake, and I figured, you know what, why not? Cause when can you have a Shrek butt birthday?
0: You only turn you only five turn once. Five ones.
1: And she wanted yeah. specific butt decorations. And I asked her what those what are butt decorations? And she goes, Of course, duh, rainbow sprinkles.
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs>
1: Hello, <Jay. laughs>
0: you know what? You just roll with and it. I
1: made butt decorations, for Sabrina. <laughs>
0: good for you I am so impressed by you oh man so let's chat a little bit more about you personally so what are you the most passionate about these days you have so many things you are a very I think of your brain as a very like puzzle because you're always got so much on the go so tell me what you're the most passionate about right now
1: oh my goodness right at this moment in time I yeah. feel like the crazy plant lady okay okay just really wants to share plants with everyone as well as really focus on getting people the help that they need for their pelvic health concerns. Okay,
0: those are very different ends of the spectrum, but I I like where your head's at.
1: Well, and then like, and of course, there's always that advocacy piece as well. So we're I'm constantly trying to advocate and educate and all of that kind of thing. But I I needed some so, plants last year, so I've become the crazy plant lady as well.
0: So how many plants do you have in your house right now? Rough guess. Oh, Sabrina, you don't even want to know. Um, no, I I kind of do actually. <laughs>
1: I should I should give you a picture of all the plants to share. Plants or pots?
0: Mm. Let's talk pots. Maybe I feel like that's safer. I
1: probably have 40
0: pots. Oh my goodness. I, I actually love it. I'm slowly accumulating things and I don't, I'm not nearly as crazy plant lady as you yet, but I'm going to get there. Um, I'm sure you will help me get there. (laughs) So let's do something fun. So I like this, this question I heard in a job interview once and it kind of always stuck with me. And I had a manager ask me if I had to compare my personality to a spice, what spice I would be and why? And he said to me, he's like, this tells me a lot about, about who you think you are. So I, I'm curious to know if you had to compare your personality to a spice, what would you be, Haley?
1: That is a really interesting question. What day is it, and what
0: hat am I wearing <laughs> okay, well, let's say that you let's say a spice at home. What spice are you at home?
1: okay, so then there's a question in regards to that question too. Is it a spice that i'm striving to be or what I end up
0: <laughs> um what are you not what you want to be, where are you? <laughs>
1: Those are two very different
0: things. I guess. Hey,
1: I would say probably salt.
0: Okay. Because now why?
1: I get a little crusty sometimes. Okay. <laughs> and it adds some flavor to everything that's going on.
0: <laughs> okay. That's, that's good. I like it. So if I was to ask you at work, when you're running your business... Mm-hmm. Are you? What kind of a spice are you there? This should be interesting. (laughs) It should be interesting.
1: The first thing that kind of comes to mind is that like cayenne pepper. So you notice it, you like it, you think, but you're also kind of scared of it.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's good. I like it. I like where you went there. (laughs) Okay so another fun question for you. If money was not an option Mm -hmm. and you had endless resources what is the one thing right now that you would buy or do like COVID aside just like if that wasn't an issue like what would you do right now?
1: I am craving a hot holiday with my family so I would probably go to and I would do this even sans COVID, but uh, like a deserted island somewhere that has like all of the things that you need. So I don't have to do anything as well and just like hang out with just the people I like.
0: How amazing would it be to be on a beach, like just like carefree on a beach with the people you love the most? I feel like that would be, oh, that'd be so be good. good. Hey. good. I've been doing quite a few pina coladas at home to remind myself mm-hmm. of the beach. So I'm not a
1: coaching
0: yeah. person, but I will do a pina colada. It's a it's a good remind you of the beach drink, I have to yeah. say. Okay, so let's dive in a little bit to career. Mm-hmm. So let's just chat about um, your career. So you're a very successful physiotherapist. And I have to ask initially, what led you to this field? What kind of sparked this joy or interest in physiotherapy?
1: So if we rewind to, you know how you took that test in high school that told you what you should be doing for your, the rest of your life? <laughs> mine was nowhere near anything where I'm at, and I thought it was absolutely ridiculous. So if anybody has kids who takes that test and it's like totally off, like mine was totally not right. Right. But when I was in high school, I knew that I wanted to do something with helping people. And I wasn't sure if I wanted to be like a nurse or like an ER doctor or a physio or like something along those lines. And when I was looking into it, so of course, applied for university, all that kind of stuff. Like I have to take the math 110 just in case I want to do something that requires higher level math or whatever. And as I'm going through, I discovered um, that I really like sleep. So that kind (laughs) of took away the nursing and the ER doc like right away. Um, And I also don't particularly care for wiping up other people's bodily fluids myself. I don't mind talking Fair. about it, but wiping it up is not my jam. Fair so enough. So that like really took nursing out of out of the equation for me, and I settled on physio because you get to actually spend time with the people that you're trying to help. So when I'm seeing somebody, I spend 45 minutes, I almost always spend an hour for the first appointment and then anywhere from 20 to 40 minutes for the follow-ups and I feel like you really get to know people and although I feel like the adrenaline of being an ER doc would have been fun or a surgeon or something would have been great um I don't think that you would get to know people the same way that I get to know people being a physio.
0: It was it's a very interesting way in which you landed a physiotherapy and it's very very cool I'm I'm always curious to know how people got where they are. And you have kind of hinted at the areas of physiotherapy that you're most passionate about. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit um, on the areas in which spark your interest right now. Sure. Uh,
1: So I started off physiotherapy like in school, uh, being specifically interested in women's health or pelvic health physiotherapy. So all things including pelvic floor, women who are pregnant and postpartum. If you're having trouble with keeping your pee or your poop inside your body, I'm the person to talk to (laughs) essentially, Um, as well as for our pre and postnatal moms that are having difficulty with painful intercourse or um, severe pain with menstrual cramps is even something that I see as well and uh that has led me to doing more of the pediatric pelvic health so i see people of all ages i've been referred kids as young as 18 months um, for constipation and assisting that way which has been really super fun to to work with not fun for the parents obviously but like it's a really rewarding area to practice in. And uh, I developed a potty learning resource for um, caregivers as well. So pottylearningmadeeasy.ca.
0: I'm curious, what is the biggest myth or misconception about physiotherapy in your opinion?
1: Oh, goodness. There's so many. The biggest one I think is that people require a referral to come or they need to have something really bad happen for them to require physiotherapy because we're a direct access service, meaning that people can refer themselves. And people often forget that those that are hopping on the field when people are injured on like, well, teams would, if we can ever play sports again, But when people are hopping out on the field, like those are physiotherapists. So we can assist people right from that first moment of injury, right until, you know, those people that have had pain for 20 years, we can see all the way through. So, Uh,
0: And I think, you know, yeah, it is a misconception definitely about the referral because a lot of people probably uh don't don't know that you can just self refer yourself so that's a really good thing to know i think for the general public
1: yes exactly well and i and i find too we just we don't have a lot of we're not front of mind <laughs>
0: necessarily for Well, and there's so many different things that physiotherapy can help with. Like it's it blows my mind when I talk to friends and different people that have seen physiotherapists for various things and I'm like, wow, like the field is just so vast. Like
1: we can see people from the bottom up. (laughs)
0: actually so so, speaking of from the bottom up I feel like that's what entrepreneurship is like from the bottom up so you are a busy entrepreneur can you maybe tell us about your business and what sets your clinic apart from others in your industry sure
1: worm and physio I opened in 2014 specifically to help cater to women who are pregnant and postpartum with young families to reduce the amount of pressure for trying to find alternative care for their kids in order to be able to attend appointments. When I was going through school, I found that a lot of times people obviously like we as physios care, so you can bring kids and kids are welcome to come, but then it wasn't necessarily an environment wherein people felt like their kids were welcome. You know, we don't have ladies, you don't have like people don't know quite how to deal with kids in the appointment and that kind of thing. So my whole focus was to create a family-focused and friendly environment for everyone. So that includes my staff, that includes all of the clients, that includes the community at large as well, trying to create this family-friendly feel uh, as best as possible. So everybody feels like they're coming home when they come to the clinic.
0: Well, and I do think that a really good job in achieving that because in my interaction with various appointments in your clinics i always felt comfortable bringing my circus with me without being judged or <laughs> or feeling pressure to find a sitter so that it wasn't awkward like i really as a mom appreciated that so i definitely think you have succeeded in that regard yeah. so great job it
1: makes it a little bit harder
0: Um, Yes, but
1: being able to offer the virtual services has been a huge lifesaver for that as well, because people don't feel like they need to drag all the kids along, they can stay in the comfort of their home where kids are a little bit more easily entertained, um, especially if somebody is confident or feeling like they're they're able to get their kids kind of in another room as well, although we have them crawling all over the place for those two. Um, so that that has been really, really helpful for physio, as well as the other services that we're able to do virtually at the clinic, too.
0: Okay, so let's think back to when you opened your business in in 2014. Yes. What What was your initial vision for the business? Has that evolved over the years, kind of thinking back to where you wanted to go and where you are?
1: So when I first opened, it was myself and a massage therapist and it was just the two of us in there and we were rarely in the clinic at the same time and now I have I think 13 like staff and providers out of the clinic and I really really wanted to have a multidisciplinary kind of one-stop spot for people to know where they can be taken care of for all of the facets of their health care needs. So that we can help people to really achieve the maximum potential as opposed to just getting good enough. If that makes sense. It's wild because like, we're kind of there. <laughs> it seems
0: You are. Yeah.
1: So we've got the physio, we've got massage, a dietitian, as well as a counselor who specifically works with kids and adults for pain counseling. Um, I've got exercise services, I have an occupational therapist, and then we also have an SLP that's working out of the clinic as well. And I'm just trying to think, did I miss anybody? If I miss somebody, I'm going to be terrible.
0: That is a lot. Like that's, that is fantastic. Like you have created such a cool environment that does encompass a lot of different fields, which is really cool to have for people. And do you find that you kind of within the clinic, people are referring patients to see other people in the clinic?
1: Yeah. So oftentimes when people are coming, the issues are multifactorial, right? So We have pain, but it's not just a physical problem that physio needs to help with. There's also things that the counselor can address, or maybe there's a dietary component and things like that. So we do have people that kind of will see multiple people at the clinic at once. And sometimes you have people that are seeing one person for right now, and that's what they can focus on. And that's fine. So we recognize that not everybody's in a place where We can see all the services all at once because let's face it, we're moms or busy working individuals or whatever and we just don't have time to do all the things all at once. That's totally okay. We can pick a piece of the puzzle to work on to start and then add other things in later.
0: It's time to celebrate. So let's chat a little bit about your incredible achievements in business. So over the years, you have been awarded some incredible honours as an entrepreneur. Can you share maybe with us a little bit about your achievements and awards over the years?
1: We have been super fortunate that essentially, as I was opening up the clinic, the Prairie Sky Chamber of Commerce in Warman Martinsville, and area started the Wimbexa Awards, the Warman and Martinsville Business Excellence Awards, and we have been um, uh, nominated and a finalist basically every year since they started back in 2015, if I'm remembering correctly. And we have been so grateful to have received the New Business of the Year Award when I was pregnant with Drayton, actually. So that would have been 2017. I was super pregnant. It was really hot. Um, I almost didn't have my heels on to walk up to the stage, actually. My feet were very swollen by the end, but that was truly amazing to have that experience and to be recognized locally for our hard work. And then I also have been a finalist for the ABEX awards, which is the Saskatchewan Business Excellence Awards by the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce. And with that, we've been up for New Venture, which is similar to New Business, and myself as young entrepreneur, which I did win in 2018, the Young Entrepreneur of the Year. And the two years prior to that, I had been either pregnant or brought Drayton as a little infant, too. And uh, and so I was celebrating being able to have some of the beverages <laughs> that they provide <laughs> uh, the year that I won as well. So I'm glad that um, it was earlier in the night as opposed to later. <sighs> Went, oh man! Well,
0: <laughs> well. I mean, I am really glad to hear that at least one of those events you were able to enjoy some beverages. Yeah. Because what a bummer that would be. Otherwise, <laughs> not that we. I mean, kids are great. Don't get me wrong, but,
1: <laughs> but especially for the ABEX, they have like at the before the program starts, they have um, free beverages for you. <laughs> so.
0: Mm. So there's that. The ticket price reflects that. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how they, that's how they get that you, right? That is how
1: they like... get you. And then when I realized I didn't have to pay, it was like, what?
0: <laughs> yep.
1: So there's that. Yeah. And then I was nominated for the Women of Distinction Awards two years as well.
0: That is a lot. Like, I hope you recognize how incredible the success of you and your team mm-hmm how successful you are because even just being nominated for all of these awards is huge mm-hmm. and I hope that you recognize how incredible that is as a business owner.
1: It's phenomenal honestly and and I wouldn't be able to do any of it without my team so I mean what it comes down to is my team is what's helping me to achieve my vision and without them I would be kind of lost and I guess stuck without a way. <laughs>
0: So, what do you what do you enjoy the most about being an entrepreneur? There are so many ups and downs, but what do you personally enjoy the most?
1: I like being able to say yes to people. Mostly, that's the biggest thing: being able to say yes. I think so. For me, um, my amount of like client time has reduced. A little bit compared Well, a little bit, I used to work 60 hours a week, Sabrina with clients. Um, and now I don't work 60 hours a week with clients.
0: You don't say,
1: um, I've reduced that, (laughs) but it's nice to be able to have a team that can carry all of the day to day stuff and then be able to specifically come in and help people. Um, with my unique skill set. So right now, my my main jam is the pediatric pelvic health, as well as um, complex pelvic pain. So that tends to be um, adults, uh, young females generally. Mm-hmm.
0: Let's let's talk pandemic aside. What has been the most difficult part of being an entrepreneur for you?
1: It's the loneliness, honestly. And I don't know if that's like a a self-inflicted paradigm, perhaps. But it just feels sometimes like if you're an entrepreneur, you picked it, so you better not complain about it.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. I can feel feel you on a level with that one. And I feel like there is no when you're an entrepreneur you go through a lot of things that other people don't mm-hmm. and occasionally it is hard for people to relate to you and some of the struggles that you're going through and I think that sometimes people avoid getting into these situations mm-hmm. because they think no one's gonna they're not gonna understand my stresses or my frustrations or, or why I'm bitter today and I'm happy tomorrow <laughs> like yeah it's, it's a whirlwind. And I definitely think you have to try and you have to put good people in your corner um, to back you up that support you no matter what, because you do have those days of highs and lows. And it can be quite lonely when you're, you're running, you know, especially if you have a family, like you're, you're so busy trying to grow your business and keep your business floating. And now you're in a pandemic, and you've got a family and other things going on. So it's no wonder that's lonely. Like, I feel like that's a good answer. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's lonely. And and I think that it's the feeling like you need to be the one who's got the answer all the time. And I like I flat out will admit to people on a regular basis. So like, I don't know, I'm not sure. But well, and especially with the pandemic, trying to create some stability within the whole last year has been something that I have really striven for. Because there has been so much uncertainty. So for us, it was important to me that for my staff and for our clients and for the community that when we reopened, there would be very minimal changes once we were open. So essentially from May 4th, when we were able to start seeing people in person again to now, our restrictions have only changed once at the clinic as opposed to the like 16 million different changes that we've had in day-to-day day-to-day life
0: well it's hard to keep up I'm I can imagine just with the constant changes and things like just to kind of keep up with what's what's expected and what the guidelines are that's a lot
1: exactly so we uh we don't change much basically we started as tight of restrictions as we could. And we just stayed there. It just seemed the easiest way to go forward for us. So
0: so when you have difficult days, um, when you feel pulled in so many different directions at once, do you have particular strategies to get through some of those overwhelming moments?
1: As you were describing that I just did a deep breath. That's one of my biggest things is breathing. Breathing I think is hugely important and it's important for a lot of really good scientific based reasons. But if you're taking a big breath in, you can't be shouting out. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) helps me sometimes. I'm definitely finding that the things that help me to get through some of those tougher times thinking if home is particularly chaotic it's remembering that everything is a phase and everything has a moment and all moments will pass at some point.
0: It's true. It is. And it's crazy when we think about in relation to our house and how quickly um, if there is a particular thing about a stage or a phase that our kids are going through that is tough. it Things change so quickly. So from week to week, yeah. things can be different. It's so crazy.
1: Yeah, exactly. What works this week isn't going to work next week.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's very, very true. So I know that there are so many assumptions made about business owners. And what is one thing, if you could just clear the air on one thing that you wish people knew about small business, what would that be?
1: I think probably one of the biggest misconceptions is that if I own a business, I must have money.
0: Well, you obviously do, right? That's just a given for anyone who owns any business, right?
1: Actually, I had more money as a contractor for another business owner when i first graduated from school and i pay myself i actually calculated it once sabrina do you want to know how much money i pay myself an hour
0: i i'm probably not going to be surprised i'm not going to lie hit me so it with it
1: it was like
0: $2.50 <laughs> i am in i am in no way shocked by that it's awful but i am in no way shocked by that
1: so yeah I mean, that's probably one of the biggest misconceptions, and I'm sure that you recognize and can relate to that as well.
0: Yep, because I know that when you have to do payroll and you're paying out staff, I know for a fact that there were so many times when I owned a dance studio that... All of my staff, including the person that answered the phones, made more money than me. So I can feel you on another level. (laughs) Is there a particular piece of advice that you would give to someone who is considering taking that leap and becoming an entrepreneur, opening that business? What kind of advice do you maybe have for them?
1: Start where you're at. Honestly, I think that one of the things that paralyzes people is having that vision of the end and trying to start there. You can't start at the end. You have to start where you are.
0: I like that. That's good. It's a very that is very insightful advice. So heed that advice guys. <laughs> So I know we kind of touched on this a little bit, but you kind of mentioned um, hours spent with clients. So I know in owning the business, there is a lot of administration and there's a lot less clientele. So do you feel like seeing patients versus administration like that you have a good balance? How do you feel about those worlds and where they're at?
1: Uh, You know, I think that I do have a better balance now than I did previously. And I'm not sacrificing my family time for work time now, which I'm really grateful I'm at this point now because my kids are young and, and I get to enjoy them while they're young at the moment. Plus of course this year, I'm also the, the learning mentor for my grade one daughter. So that's been also interesting to add
0: into the mix this year. Because you weren't busy no, enough, right? I no, feel like I busy. you just needed—you were just needed a hobby, yeah. right?
1: And oh, on God. top of she was going to French immersion, and there isn't a French immersion at home learning. So then I've also started teaching myself French to try and assist with that.
0: Oh, I can, I can understand how uh, ridiculous that is because when we went to the online learning, when the pandemic first hit and my daughter was in grade one French immersion and the stuff coming home from the teacher was not in any way, shape or form translated. And I had to also educate myself on some French in order to support my daughter who hated French. So I can understand what trying to educate yourself to help your child is like. So high five to you because that is fantastic. And just an extra thing. Just
1: add it on. Pile it all in. It's totally fine. It's totally fine.
0: It's all good. It's all it's
1: good. good. Um, oh, man. But yeah, no, I found a good balance. I never want to entirely not see clients. Uh, seeing clients really fills my cup. Um, I find it mentally a little bit more draining because the majority of what I'm doing right now is virtual services. I've been doing probably 95% plus of my my time is spent virtually seeing clients, which it takes a little bit more mental energy than um, just being able to like hands on move people. I have to tell them what to do, which makes it a little bit more tricky. Um, but it's still the most rewarding part of my day, and then. I know I've talked to other entrepreneurs and they're like, oh, I just wish I could just work and that all of the other stuff would be done. But I actually really enjoy doing all of the administrative stuff too, which seems kind of weird.
0: Well, I think if you get a good balance yeah. and then you're able to, you know, enjoy both both worlds. Because, I mean, if you're fully focused on the administrative stuff, you kind of miss out on what you wanted to do in the first place. So I think if you've got a good balance of that, that's the ideal way to, to balance your business, I yeah. think.
1: And I think at the heart of it, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I, I do physio, I'm a physiotherapist, but I, I'm an entrepreneur for sure.
0: So you had talked a little bit about pediatric pelvic floor physiotherapy, which that is a mouthful. And I said it and I am listening to it now. <laughs> so when I first met you in 2017, I was undeniably one of these defeated parents because of potty learning, my daughter, Scarlett. And I quickly learned that you are just this like wealth of knowledge when it comes to pediatric pelvic floor. And I, you know, I learned a lot from you. And for someone who is listening right now, who has absolutely no idea what we're talking about, can you maybe explain to them a little bit about what this area of physiotherapy kind of involves?
1: For sure. From a general sense, pelvic health is anything to do with the muscles, the pelvic floor muscles at the bottom of the pelvis that help to control bowel and bladder. So if the bowel or the bladder isn't doing what somebody wants it to do, AKA probably keeping your pee and your poop inside your body until you're sitting on the toilet. um, Those are, those are all things that we assist with. So for kids, in particular uh, I see lots of kids that um, have a wide range of problems and it could be anywhere from holding pee all day so I've talked to many parents whose kids go to daycare they don't pee the whole time that they're there and then they pee when they get home or bedwetting is another big one that we'll see as well as having a a severe increased frequency of voiding. So having kids that feel like they need to go to the bathroom every 15 minutes, or sometimes even every hour, and then having leaking during the day as well. So leaking of either urine or stool. Um, A lot of times, particularly when kids have been quote unquote potty trained for an extended period of time, when we start to have misses or accidents, uh, a lot of times it's chalked up to the kid being lazy or trying to get revenge or, you know, something like that. But the vast majority of the time I find there's something going on underneath that um, can be addressed from a function perspective.
0: Okay, so I'm curious. So can you maybe explain the difference between the term potty training versus potty learning? So...
1: (laughs) It's one of those things where a lot of times people are like, well, it's, it's like, it's just words, it's semantics, it doesn't particularly matter. But I think that our words matter a lot. And particularly for parents. So when we think of potty training, the entire premise around potty training is that you as a parent have a lot of work to do in order for the child to achieve that skill. Right? You need to Mm -hmm. set up a rewards chart and like drive them to do it. And like, if they're not interested, it's all your fault. Whereas potty learning puts the onus on on the child. And it's based on their interest, as well as their actual readiness. And for me, there's three components of readiness. There's their cognitive or neurological readiness of I can suppress the reflexes for voiding. My neurological system is set up and intact to be able to sense that I have a full bladder and a full bowel. There's the physical readiness. Is my bladder big enough to hold urine for a reasonable amount of time? As well as can I control the muscles to be able to coordinate while I'm sitting on the toilet, which can be really hard. And the other part of physical is, can I do all of those pieces myself? Can I get onto the toilet? Can I manage my pants? Can I wipe? Can I wash my hands? Like it's actually a really complex skill when we think of all of the different components. And then the last one, which is kind of the hardest one is the emotional readiness. Do they want to use the toilet? Because no matter how hard we try, you can't make your kid, pee or poop on the potty. I mean.
0: It's true.
1: But it would be very traumatic for everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. And I am now like kid number four and number four and number one were basically the were the easiest to just transition to using the potty and I think number four because I have a little bit more education after learning some things from you so I think that's just made number you know number four a little easier so so I'm curious Let's explain to someone what kinds of questions and things would be discussed at an initial assessment. If someone was coming to see you um, regarding their child, what kinds of things would be talked about at that first appointment?
1: Um, Depends a little bit about what we're coming in for, but there is a lot of information gathering in that first appointment. Wanting to know lots about different dietary habits, daily routines. Um, what exactly is going on what exactly is the issue Uh, as well as a variety of different um, questions surrounding normal function for the child at that time so are they is their body telling them when they need to pee is their body telling them when they need to poop Um, and the way that I set up the peds pelvic health appointments is it's the child's appointment, so they run it, which is often very different from any other medical appointments that they've had. (laughs) And it's also very different for the parents (laughs) because we're so used to just answering questions for our kids. But I do find that a lot of times what we think is happening versus what's actually happening can be two very different things.
0: Well, and you know what, with that approach in mind, I definitely from the perspective of a parent having seen you for this, my daughter definitely was more ready to go to these appointments and she she was always like, "Oh, I'm going to go see Haley." And she was excited to go to these appointments because I think that connection of it being her appointment. Yeah. <laughs> so I and she even now like it's i don't even know when the last time it's it's been over a year since she last had an appointment with you and even now she's like she talks about physio Haley physio Haley this so she remembers and she connects the dots as it's her appointment so i think from a parent's perspective that's kind of a unique approach and it definitely was it was a huge positive for us in that experience Mm i
1: um i had a group of moms who uh, were coming to the clinic a couple years ago, and I attended a, a group that they were at with their kids. And their kids, you could see them all like they're standing and whispering and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and the moms got there, they were like, "You're a celebrity! All the kids were talking about you."
0: <laughs> oh, that's too funny! You always wanted to be famous, yeah, right? Famous Haley? with
1: the five and six-year-olds, no big deal. Anymore.
0: Oh, nailed it!
1: <laughs> I get to talk about pee and poop all day. It's not that hard to be famous for a six-year-old, I guess.
0: Yeah, you have achieved greatness in the minds of the grade one (laughs) students. So so let's just talk a little bit about um, types of treatments and exercises and different kinds of things that someone might encounter with their child coming to chat with you about potty learning.
1: So, I mean... For me, what I'm finding is a lot of the difficulties that we're having with potty learning or potty training or having challenges around that is that honestly, we're, we're all constipated. All of us, every single one.
0: See, and that was something super interesting to me, because when you mentioned that constipation can be a huge contributing factor to this, I had no idea as a mom. So that was such like a light bulb moment for me. Massive. It's
1: such a big component. And I mean, even thinking for kids that are having issues with bed wetting, um, like 95% of the time, if not more, there's constipation issues going on in the kids that I see. Right There're kids that I'm not seeing that don't have that problem. but in the kids that I see this is this is the, a common trend and or there's daytime dysfunction. so some kids will come to see me in their wedding at night, but they only void. They only use the bathroom for urine twice a day.
0: Superhero mode right there.
1: right but you when we think about it, so I mean even for for adults like we don't really want to be going any longer than three or four hours between voids. And the longer you go, what you risk is thickening the bladder wall, which can cause problems as well for later. So it's one of those things where everybody's like, Oh, you know, this kid has like a bladder of steel <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> like That's not actually what we want to see. So, um, if they're going like really long times in between that can be, that can be a sign that there's something going on or, Of course, the opposite end of that is if they're going really short times in between voids as well. And constipation, I I guess the the thing to clear up is constipation isn't always not having a bowel movement for an extended period of time and then having just painful bowel movements or these um, really awful uh, bowel movements. But it can also be multiple bowel movements in a day. Um, And it can also still be soft as well because constipation isn't just like big hard stools what it is is it's the lack of complete emptying of the rectum so if we're not completely evacuating the bowel we're potentially experiencing constipation on an intermittent basis or a functional constipation on a on a more uh, complex or uh, consistent basis
0: and that's interesting because, yeah, a lot of people would n- narrowly just see constipation in one way, yeah. right? And you know it it's there's multiple facets to it, which I again did not know, so this is all really interesting information, so if you're struggling, these are some things that you know you can take away from one of these appointments so very, very insightful, and I'm curious how rewarding is this particular field in relation to seeing kids make great strides and improvements under your care.
1: Oh, it is so phenomenal when everything works well particularly when making that first little change does make a bigger difference it's a lot easier for people to stick with the program but one of the things that i find because i'm dealing not only with the child who's technically my client but i'm also dealing with a parent so there's an interesting dynamic there is that sometimes the kids aren't ready to take responsibility for it because again no matter how hard you try as a parent If they're not willing to do the work, it's just not, it's going to be hard to be successful. So there are often times where we end up going, okay, you know what, this isn't doing what we want it to. Why don't we touch base in three or four months and see how things are going? And then sometimes we'll resume after that. It just kind of depends on the client.
0: Okay. And I'm just curious if there is someone listening right now that's feeling totally defeated by this mountain that is potty learning, which I have been there. So what, you know, three simple pieces of advice that you would give to a, to a parent that's sitting there right now, just kind of feeling like the weight of the world with potty learning.
1: Oh man. So if you're at that, the base of the mountain, you haven't started yet. My biggest suggestion would be go and find the information on the components of readiness, have that in your back pocket, because when you know what to watch for, for signs of readiness versus signs of interest, it's going to make a really big difference in your confidence. Number one, to be able to tell other people to maybe, you know, go suck on a sock. (laughs) <laughs> if uh if they're giving you grief and be able to support your child in a way that I feel like a lot of parents are striving for these days, um, which is more the positive parenting style, I guess. That's the that's the whole thing that I go for. My style of parenting is lazy. <laughs> don't like to do a lot of work I feel like if they can't do it themselves I'm not going to do it for them so the same goes for like before my kids could walk I didn't walk around with them hanging onto my hands because sorry I'm not getting back pain um,
0: that, that's the physiotherapist uh, in you I think
1: partly the physiotherapist in me and partly the well I'm not doing that for you and then when my mom did it for my kids and then all they wanted to do was that. I said, "No, I tap out." I told you I wasn't doing it. You did it. That's your job. <laughs> I'm terrible. But um, but yeah. So if you're right at the beginning, figuring out those signs of signs of readiness versus signs of interest is going to be super huge. If you're right in the thick of it and you're really frustrated, it is absolutely okay to call a timeout on it. And just say, you know what, this is just too frustrating for everybody. And let's just take a step back and try and like refocus on our relationship um, between parent and child and just trying to make everything more comfortable and relaxed again. Because when everybody's frustrated, nothing works really well at all.
0: Well and I think some of that frustration comes from some of the pressures of the timelines because you know there is a lot of pressure put on on moms in particular that your kids need to be using the bathroom by this age they need to be going to preschool they need to be potty trained by this age and it's kind of like this you know there's this you know pressure on parents to have this down and kids don't always fit that mold
1: exactly so one of the big things to know is that kids have until age five and a lot of the pressure that we have societally I mean everybody and their cousin knows somebody who potty trained their kid at like nine months old or something like that Um, which is great and it, it absolutely is possible but a lot of that too is the caregiver attention that's being put on they're not necessarily going to be successful in all environments. So when I'm talking about potty learning, I'm talking about the child being entirely independent, right? And if there's components that you want to assist with, that's totally fine too, right? Like, it just depends on how much work you want to do. Like I said, I'm a very lazy parent, so I don't want to do any work. Um, <laughs> it's If you if you want to go, you, you're going to go, and you need to be the one who's paying attention to your body, and I don't want to have to tell you, and. all of those kinds of things so we work with i work with a wide variety of of various like desires for parents and what they want to assist with or not so that doesn't necessarily need to limit anybody but yeah recognizing that not every kid is going to be actually ready by age three or age two and the, the The intention that kids, once they hit three, become harder to potty train is absolute garbage
0: as well. Okay, so would you say that that's one of the big misconceptions about this? Yeah, that
1: there's a time limit on when we need to be potty learned or potty trained by in order to be successful. It's a huge misconception. Again, if it's feeling really hard, it's probably because there's something going on that's preventing success. So for the vast majority, it's going to be constipation.
0: Well, and I think for a lot of kids, because I think, you know, in my own house, there's so many diet issues where kids are picky eaters. And I'm, I think about, you know, my own kids and I'm like, I've got kids who don't eat any fruits or vegetables. Yeah. And I'm like, it's no wonder they're constipated. Yeah.
1: yeah. And some of that, like, again, so this comes back to that team approach. If we come across the these kids that have more dietary restrictions, like I can do some recommendations and things like that, but ideally we want to include a dietitian, or if it's a sensory component, maybe an occupational therapist would be helpful for that or, you know, a wide variety of different things could be, could be contributing as well.
0: Okay, so we chatted a little bit about the pandemic and how it kind of hit your business. So maybe open up about uh some of the challenges you faced during this crazy COVID pandemic period in relation to operating your business.
1: I had been following some of what was going on over in Wuhan when it was first kind of getting rolling and I had an idea that when we closed, which was inevitable, um, that we would be closed for anywhere from six to 12 weeks. And so I had gone and done all of the math and figuring <laughs> for how long we would be able to function with zero income. Yeah, it was hard. It was really, really hard. We actually had planned to have like, a staff meeting this Saturday so they had announced on Wednesday that the whole like everybody was shutting down right and Mm -hmm. on that Saturday we were supposed to get together as a team and do like headshots and do like (laughs) planning with everyone and all of this kind of stuff and uh, so obviously we switched that to a pandemic um, planning meeting Um, I had hoped that maybe we would be able to squeak that stuff in before everything shut down but it did it just didn't work so we were on zoom for that and um and i prepped my team for a long period of time and this is where my pessimistic side kind of helped i think because when you set yourself up for well it's going to be six to 12 weeks when it ends up being six it makes it feel like oh well that wasn't as bad as i thought it could be
0: (laughs) Oh, what a victory. What a victory.
1: We were only closed for six weeks. My uh, EMR, my electronic medical records system, the Jane app, uh, came in huge uh, with providing virtual service options right through the system that is HIPAA and PIPEDA approved. Um, just from a privacy perspective, really important for us for healthcare. So they launched that more than six months ahead of when they had initially planned on launching it in order to support people through the pandemic and it was just really really helpful and then yeah it's basically just been uh, a ride of trying to help everybody on my team get through with whatever little bits of mental stability we can have (laughs) and uh, make sure that people are supported right so when we all went home right a lot of people were expected to like work from home while their kids were home from daycare because daycare was closed and then be like teaching them school but then also still be working eight hours and that just seemed like a totally unrealistic expectation to me like it made zero sense. So, we all at yeah. home because it's a pandemic, but we're supposed to work still eight hours a day, and parent. Just, that doesn't work.
0: I think that the person who laid that part out, those expectations, doesn't have kids.
1: Or they do, but they, but they are older? Or, like, I'm not, I have no idea. I have no idea who thought that that is something that could have happened um in any reality really uh it just seemed totally bogus so when i sat down with my team anybody who was working from home it was you know figure out what hours you can and want to be able to do and we will make whatever we can work so long as we're not adding to your stress because that's not what i need last thing i need is stressed people trying to work and then running their immune system down to the point of getting sick and we'll do our best to work within that and then we'll monitor the situation and go from there and we've been super fortunate that there has been really minimal um issues with not only like we've had zero problems at the clinic which has been really fantastic and then even with our own personal like at home bubbles we've had almost no, no problems at all with any scares even. So that's been really wonderful.
0: So would you say there's anything in particular as a business owner that you have learned about yourself through this challenging time?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I'm the kind of person that people I think want in their corner in a crisis because for me, it's a, a reaction of, okay, but what can we do as opposed to like panic, like a chicken with your head cut off and then <laughs> being able to recognize the things that we can control and the things that we can't control and then trying to like integrate those so that what we have is something that is as not stressful as possible. Although
0: you'll have to talk to my team. I don't know if I was able to do that. <laughs> so I'm curious from a perspective of a physio working with other physios and not having that, like with people being virtual and not having the social component of like co-workers being in the same building. Do you find like, is it more difficult with physios not kind of being able to feed off of each other, or, you know, bounce ideas and you know, in that regard? Like, are you guys finding ways to kind of keep in touch and like keep each other sane in the professional aspect of things?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, so we've been back to in-person since about May 4th. So okay, there is still a large component of that at the clinic. There's, we're definitely not functioning, quote, as normal, but it's, back to as normal as i think we'll get for an extended period of time which i'm okay with we're there it's fine so i know that for me because i'm working virtually from home more of the time it it has been a little bit more challenging in that regard but i know that my team is like a message away which is really nice and for the most part Like, there isn't something that I have to have answered, like, right this second. Um, So it's not the end of the world. It is definitely much nicer when I get to pop into clinic for a minute and, like, see people's faces. Not the screen, but, um, yeah, it works. It works okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Kind of made, made the most of the situation that you kind of were thrown yeah, into. Exactly.
1: Making the most of
0: it. <laughs> Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with Haley. We covered a lot of ground in this first episode, but there is honestly just so much more to dive into. Haley talked to us about how the pandemic impacted both her home and her business, but things got way more complicated. In the next episode, I'm talking with Haley about a diagnosis that rocked her to the core. You don't want to miss this continuation of my conversation with Haley next week. Thanks for tuning in to catch this week's podcast episode. It really does mean a lot to me that you took the time to listen. I love advocating and sharing these stories of these moms, but it would be pretty meaningless without amazing listeners. You guys are fantastic and I'm grateful for each and every one of you. I'm off to do a little spring cleaning and play a little game I like to call, is it poop or is it chocolate? I hope this week brings you rest. I hope it brings you peace. May your coffee be hot, your wine glass be full, and your chaos be beautiful. Now back to my circus.